Welcome to PeopleTech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. My guest today is Suzanne Harris, the Vice President of HR at Nexus Tech. They're a Colorado-based IT managed services company, and she knows a lot about pay. We're going to talk about new ways people look at pay since the pandemic, how different employers take different approaches, and new flavors of transparency, all on this edition of PeopleTech. Hey, Suzanne, it's good to see you. And what does Nexus Tech do? We are called a managed service provider. We provide technology services and support to um, small, medium-sized businesses and some large ones nationwide and a few in Canada. We wanted to talk today about pay, basically. Um, there's a lot of things going on under the hood with, with pay. It, it seems like there's you know, transparency laws um, being enacted. Uh, there's, there's earned wage access. Um, growing and in, in use. What's your view of the landscape when somebody says pay to you? Well, you know, these days, of course, with inflation, you know, it's very first and foremost on their mind. And um, they're obviously concerned about that. Typically, wages, you know, lag behind inflation anyway, um, and take a little time to catch up. But we we do an annual comp review every year. And then look at the the salary survey data to be sure we're paying competitively. But yes, pay is kind of first and foremost on everybody's mind, especially with you know there's re- talk of recession. There's been a lot of layoffs here recently in the big tech space, so it's certainly first and foremost in the minds of employees and in the minds of the executives. Do Do you think that the way you're handling it is is typical? Or are different employers doing different things without much rhyme or reason to the to it? Well, that's a great question. I I don't know what's typical of a, of a company our size. I think a lot of companies tend to sort of maybe wing it a little bit, but we rely heavily on the ADP salary benchmarking tool to annually look at, at our comp. And even mid-year, if we feel it's necessary for certain positions or we're hiring someone in a, in a new type of role and we need to get a, an idea of what we need to pay to be competitive. It's a very large data set. It's updated every month. So we feel that that's kind of the best tool for us to use to make sure that we're competitive in our pay and paying fairly, you know, and in, in according to our comp philosophy. What's your view about these transparency laws where... Um, companies are having to publish their yeah. rates, you know, on job ads and such. It, it doesn't surprise me. I could kind of see it coming. California, of course, that's where we have a great deal of employees out here in California. It's not only just the pay transparency laws, but now any employee or any candidate can ask for the salary range of their current role or a role in which they could be applying. I know New York is um, has something similar. Colorado started it. Uh, maybe a year or so ago with the have to put the ranges in your job posting. So one, you know, I saw it coming. It's going to continue. More and more states are going to start to implement this. And I think it's all headed towards, again, pay transparency, pay equity, 
And it's, you know, now along with our types of EEO reports that we have to file, I think pay is going to be an additional data field that we have to include because I think it's going to be watched pretty closely. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. I'm wondering, well, when you say the, this will be a data point that you have to include, what's that going to look like? Is it going to be, it, it, it's not going to be filed on an individual basis, I assume, but how are you going to figure out the numbers that have to be reported? Yeah, that's a, a good question. California is already kind of a little ahead of that. Um, companies, you know, the 100 more employees, they have to file this EEO-1 report with the, the federal EEO commission every year. And in the past, it's just how many people do you have in technical roles, executive roles by um, race. I think now there's going to be an additional column. While you said it's not individual, there's going to be some sort of average pay or something that's included in those statistics. They haven't federally anyway given us that format in which they'll want it. But uh, California is looking for it, I think, individually. We have to start filing those in, in May. So it's a trend that I see is going to continue. I mean, obviously, your your progressive states are going to start, you're going to be ahead of it, Colorado, California, New York, but it, it's a trend we're going to continue to see. So we might as well get prepared. <laughs> well, I, it leads right to my next question, which is, how does an employer get their arms around this or their, their head around it, really? It's you've suddenly got a lot of moving parts going on. How do they tame it? Well, let me see if I understand your question right. In other words, how are they going to manage the compliance part of it? Yeah, and and, and take this great range of data and, and make it approachable. Um, you know, they make it something that they can actually use. Well, that's where we rely heavily on the comp benchmarking tool, like I said, in ADP, just to make sure that we are in the proper range, not just for being able to recruit and retain employees, but also so that we're in the right range when we have to comply with these these rules and we don't get necessarily, you know, we don't get challenged on our pay. Right. And then it's fair, it's unbiased, here's the range, doesn't matter your race, your gender, here's what we're paying. And um, so I think they need to start getting out ahead of it and start establishing their pay ranges and find some data that can help them establish the competitive range. I'm not sure what size companies your customers are. Um, do you have a range of, you know, by headcounts or something like that? We have some of our customers are small and I couldn't even tell you, but some we do have some very large customers as well. Um, so I can't, I wish I could answer that question more clearly, but I mean, we have the full gamut of the small c clients and some of our large clients. 
how do you see them approaching this? Um, meaning you know, the small companies have different dynamics than the larger companies. Sure. And, um, you know, how are they doing? You know, just because a company is very large doesn't mean that they necessarily have all their um, their HR processes, you know, well designed and efficient any more than sometimes a small company does, right? Hopefully on what I'm saying there makes sense, but they need to start getting their arms around it. They need to start establishing these pay ranges and they're going to need to, you know, get the data to back it up because um, it's going to become a compliance issue. It's, it's no longer just the transparency and it's the right thing to do in your job postings. It's going to become a compliance issue. And so whether they're, now I know in California, all you have to have is 15 employees, which may be easier if you've only got a, you know, four or five different types of roles, but the big companies with a lot of different positions and in different geographies, it's going to be a pretty large undertaking to prepare all these ranges and may even need, you know, third-party help in the way of consultants or a very good benchmarking tool. It's interesting using, no, never mind. So it was, it was going to be a dumb question. Oh. Um, <laughs> I could give you a dumb answer. <laughs> that would be either really great or really sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I've come across a, a fairly new term, um, compensation construction. Are you familiar with that? I'm not, but, uh, you know, I'll have to go do some research on that to make sure I am familiar with it in the future. Comp construction. It's, yeah, yeah I, I can't actually tell you much about it either. When you when you Google it, you get um, a lot of hits about compensation in the construction industry. Oh, in the so it's related to the construction industry. No, it's 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 not. Compensation construction yeah. isn't, but Google thinks it is. Oh, Google thinks it is. Well, I'm 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 thinking obviously, you know, what it takes to build. You know, it's one thing to just like we talked about, get your arms around these ranges that you need, but you really need to make sure you've got a handle on your job descriptions, you know, do an analysis of the job, that you don't have this title inflation a lot of people instead of give big titles to people okay so now you're trying to you know um, look for salary survey information related to this title it's important you look at the actual job duties but that that title inflation can sometimes come back to bite you you know you know um i don't know i don't know if this is a good question or a bad question but i'm going to ask it anyway um with all of the things that are going on today, you know, post-pandemic, um, unsettled economy, who knows what the labor market's going to do next. It feels like compensation would be sort of at the top of everybody's mind on both sides of the table. Um, is that in fact true, do you think? Um, are... are people following pay and compensation you know, more closely than they might have in the past uh, because of the way things are panning out right now? You're talking from an employee perspective, right? No, actually it could be from, from both. Well, pay is clearly, I mean, that's, I mean, that's why people go to work. Let's be honest. It's their pay, right? 
and uh, it's important to them. They've got uh, families to raise and, and expenses. We get that. But coming out of the pandemic, I also see, and I, I know this is a cliche, but the, the work-life balance is much more important to them. You know, this has been a tough three years, a lot of isolation, a lot of change in family dynamics. It's um, It's been challenging for, for many folks, and they've had kind of a change in their priorities. And so pay is certainly one of them. Um, also, their relationship with their manager. I think managers need to be more empathetic these days. And I think people are just looking at their life through a different lens. A little, you know, it's like, it's no longer this, I'm just going to give my all to my employer and hopefully I get paid fairly well. Now it's, I'm going to give them everything I can, but my family's going to come first. And, but I still want to be paid fairly. And um, I don't know if that's a good answer there. Maybe I can restate it, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. There's a there's a different feeling coming out of this now three years later. Yeah, like, no, I think I think that's a good answer, and, and you know that's one of the more interesting yeah. movements that's going on is people people changing their perceptions. Yeah, this is you know this global pandemic was life altering. For, for many people, not just the way they work, their financial picture, sometimes one or both of them, you know, in a, in a dual income household, one or both of them lost their jobs, they had to homeschool their children. Things have really changed. And uh, and mental health, of course, is a big thing now, too. And they're focusing on their priorities. Suzanne, thanks very much. Thanks for joining me today and talking. Hopefully I'm you know, giving you answers worth someone listening to, Mark. Always happy to help. My guest today has been Suzanne Harris, the Vice President of HR at Nexus Tech. And this has been People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We're a publication of Recruiting Daily. We're also a part of Evergreen Podcasts, to see all of their programs, visit www.evergreenpodcasts.com. And to keep up with HR technology, visit the HCM Technology Report every day. We're the most trusted source of news in the HR tech industry. Find us at www.hcmtechnologyreport.com. I'm Mark Pfeffer. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. 
Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.